This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, to the Winter is Coming Game of Thrones podcast. This is Take the Black, and I'm your host, Razor, and I'm here with Isis, who doesn't think I remember to introduce her on the podcast. I'm here with Corey Thone and Corey Smith, and we're here to talk about Game of Thrones, as you might have heard from the intro. Great. Let's get right into it. HBO released a kind of a look ahead. It wasn't their year in there they usually do. It was kind of a look ahead, look back at the, at the programs they have going on, and wouldn't you know it, we got a... Three second, if I'm being generous, tease to season eight. It was John <laughs> Snow coming home. Three second tease, name of your sex tape. Sorry, I couldn't <laughs> help myself. Okay, that is the name of my sex tape. If if you're, if I'm being honest. Shout out to Brooklyn Nine Nine. Can't wait for the new season. <laughs> so um, anyway, we got an intro there to uh, our teaser there. I'm sorry. Don't threw me off my game, like always. And uh, it's John hugging Sansa. It was like three, three seconds, and um, there really isn't anything to, to pick apart except for this. One, they're at Winterfell, so John has returned to Winterfell. We all know it was going to happen anyway. Two, Sansa is looking off as she's hugging John, like either a she's staring at somebody and mean mugging him, or b she's like, why the fuck? Are you back at Winterfell? I don't want to hug you. Why'd you bring that blonde-headed bitch to Winterfell? Get the fuck out. Where are we going to put that dragon? All that kind of shit. So that's what happened. Isis, did you see the teaser? I did, and I was left underwhelmed. Uh, yeah. I definitely was looking forward to some something more, but I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to expand out on what you were saying. I absolutely think that Sansa was mean-mugging the hell out of Daenerys Targaryen and was like, who this bitch up in this place? 
I don't know you. You don't go here. And she was definitely, you know, seriously. I mean, that's the only thing I can think of is that, you know, and then she's also going to probably, you know, he probably walked in hand in hand with her. And again, bitch, who you be? Who you? I don't mess with you. I don't fuck with you. And uh, why are you so riding def- dragons now? Exactly. So I think all of that, and I think she was probably definitely picking off, picking up on some boat sex vibes that were probably going on. Um, you know, because they just emanate that, just you know, boat sex. They probably uh, smell like boat sex. They probably do. They still have the stank on them. They, they got the stank on them. They got the stank on them. And then not only that, but she may be surprised that she's seeing her ex husband as well. Oh, snap. You think Tyrion's yes. there? Boom! Exactly. Boom, baby. Boom. So I think she's got a, she's trying to work through some things. One of them being that Danny's there. I think number two would probably be her ex-husband being there. And he's like, hey, wifey, what's up? And Because uh, so they are I, I really, still married in the laws of all the gods. I, exactly. So, uh, so I think that could be it. And another person we don't know, I mean, because of this being such a very short you know, or I should say condensed season, uh, it may be uh, it may be Tyrion's brother, too. They may have all rolled up oh, at the same shit, time. Oh, shit, Jamie. Because, yeah, there you go, boo. There you go. Oh, I like it. I like how you're thinking, Corey Smith. You kind of picked this apart at Wick. Uh, what, what could you take away off the top? Like, what was your biggest takeaway from the moment? Yeah, she's, she's clearly mean-mugging Danny. And... You know, like when uh, you bring your new boyfriend and your girlfriend home uh, to meet the family, Sansa is definitely me mugging like, yeah, like Isis said, who the fuck is this? Why is she here? I'm assuming, though, that this is before she sees Danny's dragons, uh, because I like to think that once Danny see or once Sansa sees the dragons, the Dothraki, the Unsullied, that she's going to see the benefit that, that Danny brings to the to the whole cause. Um, even if she doesn't ever end up liking Danny, yeah, so, no, no, she, she made a deal. Have... She made a deal with Littlefinger for Christ's sake to get troops. right. That's so, yeah. what I'm saying. And and they spent all of season seven with Sansa. I mean, I know she was arguing with John, but she was also walking around Winterfell and making sure all the preparations were made and all this stuff. So I gotta assume when Danny sh- really shows up, that and, you know all her armies and her dragons, that Sansa will at least you know, tolerate. Oh, you know, no, no, like, no. She's going to be like, she's going to be like, John, did you flip it and reverse it? That's what she's going to say. <laughs> I think, I think that, um, it's going to have, like, Danny's going to, I think Danny and John arrive ahead of the army. Like they, I think it's going to be a big scene. Like you're going to see the entire army. Cause what, what we know is at the end of season seven that John and Danny are arriving by boat. They had boat sex at to White Harbor, where they meet the Dothraki and the Unsullied, where they're going to march together to Winterfell. So it's going to be a big scene where they all get up together, and, and then the dragons are going to fly in. So what, whatever mean mugging Sansa might do to Danny, just for a little bit, as soon as Drogon flies over, she's going to piss herself and be like, "You can put your bags in mom and dad's old room." <laughs> I, I think one thing that nobody's quite touched on yet either is the inherent distrust uh toward targaryens that starks have that all of westeros is but would have um because some of it's based in like just facts that they you know did some jacked up stuff before they got 
you know, ousted, but a lot of it's also <laughs> propaganda and everything else. Like there's just a lot of distrust, I think, from uh, West Westerosi or whatever for Targaryens at this point, especially from Starks who have such a complicated history with, you know, non-Northerners. And yeah. uh, I think that ties into her me mugging a little bit. I, I don't, I do not, because uh, David, you mentioned it up top that people were suggesting, you know, oh, maybe Sansa's bummed that John is back because now he's in charge again. No, do not do that shit. You <laughs> did that with Arya last year. Oh, is Arya going to kill Sansa? No. <laughs> that manufactured crap-ass drama has no place in a show this good. It felt out of place as crap. Last season, if they try to do it again this season, they better have Sansa turn. Because if they really and truly <laughs> tried to make us think that Sansa might turn on John and Arya and everybody, and then oh no, it was a misdirect. That's weak. Do not do that. Uh, it's there's already enough drama in her arrival. We don't need extra shit. Smith, so. no, Smith, I, I, well, I, I want to know from real quick. Smith, do you think she does a heel turn? No, that's that's no, stupid. No, he'll no turn fucking, for Sansa. No, we don't have. <laughs> if this is like season three, maybe, but we don't have fucking time. We got six episodes. Like, what? She's gonna turn heel, and then like the show's gonna be over. Like, that's stupid. <laughs> that's just shitty storytelling. So yeah, there's just not enough runway. Yeah, the there's story. not. Yeah, exactly. There's not enough time for that. Shit. But just oh, God, so that's no. music. <laughs> I my only other thought, and this is, she might not be mean mugging Danny, but I'm wondering, has Bran and Sam told Sansa? Boom! Oh that, shit! You know what I mean? Like, so if if they walk in arm in arm, clearly, you know, boo and and all that <laughs> shit, and Sansa's in her head like, uh, that's your aunt, and you just boned her. That's like, your aunt. That's your nephew. Ooh, you nasty. Yeah. No right. shit. Yeah, I don't exactly. think so. I don't think that would happen. I think if Bran was going to do it, Bran's going to uh, – to. It, I mean, it's going to be Bran and um, – and what's his name? Sitting Sam. down with John. Yeah, I'm I, sorry, think it'll I, be a pers- I think it'll be a personal reveal. But yeah. does the honor of Jon Snow get in the way and he's got to reveal it to everybody? Look, guys, sorry. I know you don't trust the Targaryens, but look, I'm the best Targaryen. I'm the greatest Targaryen ever. I'm the, I'm the greatest, really. I'm the best. Why do you why you gotta why you gotta mess him up like that? Why do you gotta mess up my little beautiful symbol uh, who's, who's too pure for this world and he sounds like he's from Jersey Shore. Okay, so um so this is my thing with that is that I think that, you know, with the whole Sansa, you know, situation, I, I really just feel like to be honest, she's just she's looking at it, hey, your family is the reason why my aunt Liliana died. She was kidnapped. I mean, that that's what they – that's the, the rumor that they heard. That was uh-huh. what the story uncle, is. Uncle and, and grandfather too. Uncle yes. And grandfather. Yeah, by the way. So, you know, I, I think that's where the distrust really lies is that they, they have so many losses in due um, in part of the Targaryens. And I think once that, you know, Sansa finds out that, that he, that uh, Jon Snow is actually a Targaryen, where she'll go, oh, okay, well – Maybe all Targaryens aren't so bad. I don't know. But, I mean, I, I think that's that's probably where it's going to go. But instantly, that's where she's her mind is going to because they, their family has way too many losses at the hands of this family. So Not all Targaryens uh, burn people. Hashtag not all Targaryens. Not all Targaryens. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> All right. I think we d- talked about this plenty enough. In fact, we talked about it way more than I thought we would. But, hey, that's good. We poured over some things. It's great. So Three uh, seconds. Three seconds yeah, of footage. Imagine just what's going to Imagine episode one of <laughs> May. I, I would just say right now you're just going to want to download the episode <laughs> of Winter uh, is Coming because it's probably going to be long. When that you're, first trailer comes out, you better just download it. Yeah, just, you're, you're going to want to listen to it while you sleep. While you drive, it's going to be a long one. So let's just get that over with. I bet we, I bet our next peak at season eight will either be the year ender, which happens at Christmas, or since everybody, since we know it's coming in the first half, half of 2019, uh, next year, we might maybe get a little bit of a sneak peek towards the year ender, like, you know, this, you know, but I doubt it. I doubt it because we've had Game of Thrones. In the first half of a year before, like most of the time, it comes out in April or March, and we don't see a trailer until uh, the end of February. So I think I think the year end there's the next look we'll get. Because remember, in 2000 uh, or last year for season seven, the year ender gave us uh, Arya on a hill on her horse looking at Winterfell, and that's that was the little tidbit that we got for season seven. Look, I'm going to tell you something right now. Game of Thrones at this point doesn't have to send out any fucking teasers. And oh, no. No, no. We'll still freaking talk up, talk about it. I mean, that's the, that's the one thing about this show is that they got this on lock, is that they don't have to drum up any, like, you know, excitement about the show. People are already jazzed up about this shit. Mm-hmm. I mean, literally three seconds of footage in a in, that's been chopped up with all the other HBO shows. And we talked about what, I don't know, what, 15, 20 minutes? I mean, come on. Corey you know. Smith turned it into a whole article for Winter is Coming. Well, there, there's We that. did like four articles on it. Yeah, oh my we did. God. It was ridiculous. Like Everybody read the shit out of it, too. Yeah. So it's not like, we, you know, we're just doing it in a vacuum. Everybody read that shit. So people are thirsty. You yeah. thirsty ass bitches who read that article. <laughs> oh yeah, that's gonna be some great stuff whenever that uh next footage comes out, so I'm looking forward to it. So um let's move into our tonight's topic. What we're gonna be doing for the next uh f- few podcasts leading up into uh two thousand nineteen is we're gonna be doing a series of uh what ifs and how how events led up to the major um, battles and events in Westeros and Game of Thrones. And we're going to look at it from a Shonley standpoint. There's really, at this point, uh, no re- no need to talk about what happened in the book. Uh, number one, we already outpaced the books back in season end of season five. Number two, Corey Smith and I are uh, boycotting any news from the Winds of Winter book because we don't believe it's coming out until um, never. So... That's right. No book until never. So um, uh, we don't think we're going to get a new book. Anyway, so we're just going to talk about this from a Shonley standpoint. Tonight we're going to talk about the very first big battle uh, for Game of Thrones, uh, the Battle of the Blackwater that happened in Season 2. And it saw Tyrion uh, Lannister lead the forces of uh, King's Landing to defend against Stannis Baratheon. There was a lot more involved in that, and that's what we're going to talk about tonight. So I'll lead it off with the Battle of the Blackwater. You've got uh, basically the good guys versus the bad guys. Uh, we were introduced to Stannis and Melisandre in Season 2. Melisandre's burning everybody, and you're like, this 
I hate this bitch, really. Like, she's killing everybody. And I don't understand why she's got to bring her religion up in here and burn people just because they don't like it. And then she brings Stannis, who's a dickhead, really. Let's, let's be honest. Stannis got really popular on Reddit because people were like Stannis and Manus. But he was a straight-up dickhead who killed his daughter in the end. So let's just put that out there. So really, the bad guys in this scenario, in my point of view, is Stannis and his army. The good guys were Tyrion. Tyrion led the forces of King's Landing. And as you saw during the battle, he even went out and got mixed it up uh, himself. He didn't just stand back and let his, his soldiers do it for him. He got his hands dirty. So I'm going to take the point of view that this was a good versus evil. Stannis and, and Melisandre with the Lord of Light was evil at this point, And Tyrion was the good guy. So, Corey Pone, I'm going to go to you because... I like to get your quick hot takes on these things. What, leading up to the Battle of the Blackwater, what event in your mind was was like a catalyst or a main a main thing that led up to the Black, Battle of the Blackwater? Uh, Ned Stark figuring it out. I oh. mean, that was that was the the big thing. Is it figuring out that? Because if you look, you know, one thing that that we as show watchers and book readers, and I maybe the book I haven't read the books, but the books might do a better job of emphasizing this, but but as a show watcher, you have to remember that from the perspective of just some dude living in King's Landing or wherever, this is Baratheon versus Baratheon. Mm, uh-huh. this, this is, uh, you know, the the rightful heir is actually Joffrey, the king's son, so he's the heir. Why is Stannis trying to take it? The whole reason that Stannis feels like he can rally support is because of what... Uh, Ned found out, right? Mm-hmm. Unless I'm misremembering something from yeah, you're right. season one. You're right. So, so that, along with Ned's assassination, because I feel like, because that led, okay, so Ned's assassination, because he found out, led to, and refused to, you know, whatever, led to the Stark Rebellion, which pulled troops out of King's Landing True. to go fight the Starks in the North, which left King's Landing vulnerable, which is what gave Stannis the idea, but then Renly, you know, blah, blah, blah. But, so Ned... Ned's investigative research into everything, his him, you know, CSI Westerosing up and down of the. It's what truly caused, you know, the. I think you could look at like maybe the first domino show wise. So I agree. Great point. Anybody have anything to add to that? Because I know Smith, you're really dying to get in here. Um. Yeah. No. I, I mean, because it, it was. I don't know that they really emphasized it in the show, but. It, I can't remember or not, but in the books, Stannis is investigating Joffrey and everyone else with John Aaron. And then when John is murdered or poisoned, that's when Stannis hightails it to Dragonstone. Yeah, he bails because he was on the small council. Right. And well, him and and John Aaron were the ones that were they were dual investigating it, and so they were going around and they were they went through all the steps that. Ned eventually goes through Rizzolian Isles, baby. Right, exactly. <laughs> uh, and so when they when John is is poisoned, um, Stannis hightails it because he knows everything John knows, and so that's why he books it to Dragonstone and just hangs out there um, until later on. Um, for me, the, one of the biggest catalysts was was uh, Joffrey beheading Ned. Um, Okay. Because that ends up that that's the catalyst that sends um, Tyrion to King's Landing, right? Isn't that what 
the other Corey? No, no, not Corey? kind no. of. I think he's getting to a, the different jump off. Uh, for okay, I was just wondering because I was yeah, just like, no, what I, I was that's gonna... what better looking Corey said. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. yes, indeed, T- indeed. Hold on, terrible point, but. Um, <laughs> What I was going to say was is that because that's why Tywin sends Tyrion to King's Landing, right? Is because yes, because, Joffrey because should Cer- have never. Yeah, Cersei's out of control, and he has Cersei can't control Joffrey. Joffrey, you know, clearly it was Joffrey that ordered because even Cersei knew better than to kill Ned, mm-hmm. and so that's what sends Tyrion there, and that shapes the battle because you know you kind of see later on when when Cersei gains control, she has no like you know strategic mind for for battles or making alliances or any of the stuff that Tyrion does during season two sending Marcella to the Dorne sending uh you know promising Tommen to different people and that whole the whole gambit he's running in season two so for me the biggest catalyst was when when Joffrey beheads Ned because that just it sends all kinds of different people into different directions especially Tyrion going to King's Landing and actually making the battle a battle um Yeah because without Tyrion it would, there would have been no battle honestly I think it would right. been over like in no time like Stannis right. would have had, had the control of the city Right but also and it's not just the the, the straight battle of it, but remember it's Tyrion who suggests sending Littlefinger and trying to woo the Tyrells after Renly is killed. Boom. Yep, boom. And, Good point. And that and that whole thing, which obviously the Tyrells end up coming to you know, the Tyrells and Tywin end up coming to the rescue and turning the tide of the battle. So for me, Tyrion being there was the, was the key thing because I don't think a lot of those other events happen with Cersei and Littlefinger and, and Varys being the only ones in charge. ISIS, we've got two guys saying that uh, Ned Stark is part of what started this all. Uh, what's your take on that? No, I mean, I think it's absolutely right. I mean, I think if if you look at this whole entire story, it all really starts with Ned Stark. And, uh, you know, as, uh, as far as... Fair, fair point. <laughs> so I, I think whether he, you know, his foibles or his successes... I mean, at the end of the day, it all comes back to Ned um, in in that whole, you know, chain of events. I mean, if you really want to get technical, I mean, hell, we can even go back, you know, even further than that. But um, but I, I think at, at its core at what what we're trying to talk about. Yeah, I think it's definitely Ned, you know, his investigation who, you know, the only person who has to win from that investigation is um, Stannis. You know, he's the only winner in that whole equation. Um, and then not only that, but, you know, the fact that Ned got himself fucking killed, um, you know, maybe accelerated the timeline for, uh, you know, for Stannis to, to really kind of bum rush it. Yeah, because Ned Ned uncovers the truth. He, he carries out John Aaron and Stannis' investigation, and he uncovers the truth. And when he writes the, that letter to Stannis telling him that he's the the, the lawful heir, the lawful successor to the Iron Throne, um, it's revealed that he that Joffrey's a bastard, that Cersei is banging her brother, and that uh, Joffrey and the whole Lannister crew, none of them are Baratheons. So without Ned uncovering that, none of this happens. We go back to a peaceful – if Ned doesn't uncover anything, Ned remains alive. 
for the time anyway, or at least he does remain alive because he gets to go back to Winterfell. He's like, he fucks off back to Winterfell, and the North never never rises, and you don't have all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I agree. Yeah, guys, and I think, I think also, you know, the fact that uh, Stannis was able to get that um, cell sword or the cell, cell captain, I don't know, was it Sand? Salador Sand. Yeah, so I think that was another, you know, kind of feather in his cap that said, hey, all this is kind of lining up for me. I need to go ahead and, you know, go while the getting is good. You know, I got rid of my brother, my little brother, which is fucked up as well. Um, you know, I got, I got this confirmation that I'm the rightful king. And I also got this uh, captain who, you know, is going to basically get me to where I need to, to, you know, is going to fight with me and, and have their men. So I think for him it was like, hey, man, all these things, things are lining up for me. Why not? I want to say, too, like a couple of you guys have mentioned Renly in this whole conversation. Uh, Stannis fucked himself like having his brother killed. Like if had, 100%. Had, had Renly not died – Renly would have made the push to King's Landing. Renly would have absolutely dominated and taken over King's Landing. And Renly would have been the king, and Stannis could have contested it, but Renly would have not killed his brother. Renly would have let his brother take Dragonstone or Storm's End or wherever he wanted, and he would offer, he did, he offered him a spot on the small council. If he, you know, eventually Renly would have ironed that out with his brother. Because you don't get this in the show, because you don't get a lot of Renly in the show, but in the books, Renly Renly loved his brothers, especially Robert. So you don't really get that a lot in the show. But well, and I, th- I think all three of us, you know, looked to Ned because that was what led to you know King's Landing looking like what it looked like, mm-hmm. bereft of troops because they're off fighting the Starks and everything. But that's actually when you think about it, Renly being killed is what opened up uh, the Tyrells to being available and willing to partner up with a new house, mm-hmm. one that they were just warring against, which led to pretty much all the events up until, you know, the last season and a half. Right. If, you know, the Lannisters and the Tyrells together. So who is drinking ice from a cup? <laughs> Jesus that would Christ. Be, that would be the other Corey. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Mute your mic, you boober. I, I, heard you, I heard you fart like five minutes ago, Smith. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Not um, true. Uh, <laughs> <savage>. Lies. <laughs> but, right, but anyway, no, I, but yeah, I, I agree go, with you. Yeah, Renly, and, and I think you know David's right that, and I think Smith actually mentioned this too that Renly's death scattered a bunch of troops, and and this all comes back, and this is something else that I don't think um, Stannis really understood what he had in his kind of force this together with you know the like isis pointed out with the the captain of the whatever basically like a han solo type guy like i'm a, I'm a raider you know whatever he is <laughs> um i don't even remember that guy's name he was in, like, episode, episode and a half Son. but you know it, what's it just reminds me of robert's speech that he gave that one time about the difference between five armies and one you know, uh, being the united, yeah. the fist, yeah, being united behind something. Uh, you know, I don't think that Stannis ever had the support of his troops the way that Renly did, and I don't think that. I mean, as you know, be, the 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 more into the Red Priestess shit he got, the fur, the you know, the less I think 
true support. I don't know. And maybe it might be different because the book readers might have a more interesting perspective on like that. But even his speech, when he jumped out of the boat and like, let's go take it. Like, ah, like, all right, I guess like great speech. Like it's, there's, I don't know. There's don't a know great quote. There's a great quote we didn't get on the show because uh, this character was never put in the show. But uh, in the books during this whole time, there's a, a blacksmith at Castle Black. Uh, what's his name, Corey Smith? The blacksmith who led the wa- led the, the wall for a while. Fuck. Um, God well, dang. it's well, uh, Jason. His <laughs> Eric. His name was Eric. No, I don't know. I we'll come up. We'll we'll, fi- we'll remember his keep, name in a little keep bit. Keep talking. I'll remember. Yeah. We'll remember. We'll Google keep it talking. and remember it. Anyway, um, so there's just there's just armorer. The the he's a one armed blacksmith. He lost his arm in the, in the the battle of the one the Baratheons faced Targaryens. I think he lost it in the Trident. Anyway, um, he actually made Robert's warhammer, and he knew the three sons. He knew Robert, Stannis, and Renly, and he he had it was. He was a the blacksmith Donald there. Noy. Donald, Donald Noy. Donald Noy was his name. Anyway, long story short, he makes this quote. He says this quote that um, Robert was. He talks about Robert being being youthful and and, and crazy and like wild, and Renly uh, being being soft and pleasant, and everybody liked Renly. But Stannis, nobody nobody loved Stannis, but he was hard and brittle like iron like he would never bend but you know he would he would eventually break you know he'd be brittle so robert that- robert was steel robert is steel renly was copper because copper's pretty and shiny and all yeah. that and then yeah stannis is iron like he'll never he'll he won't he'll always break right but he won't bend so yeah it, 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 what you're, to get to that whole point, Corey Thune, and I, I'm sorry, but I took a big such a sidetrack there. But you're right. You're absolutely right. Nobody loved Stannis. Uh, the people who followed Stannis were his wife's uh, family, the Florence. They followed Stannis. And the people who were at Dragonstone, and uh, and the reason he got Salador Sand and his ships and his pirates was because of Davos Seaworth. So had had Davos not won Salador Sand over. You don't have all those ships. You don't have people to carry uh, Stannis' troops to King's Landing in the first place. So it was the people that worked for Stannis and who, who surrounded around Stannis who that that got success for him. But Stannis himself, nobody loved him. Nobody would follow him, and that's that's the whole downfall when he's. When they have that meeting, when Renly and his crew meets up with Stannis and his crew, and he says the whole comment, uh, well, we don't – again, it's another book thing. He has a peach. He goes – he offers Stannis a peach, and Renly bites into it and offers it to Stannis. It's a big slight to Stannis, whatever. He slaps him in the face basically verbally. Um, that that whole thing is Stannis doesn't get. If he would just – I don't have an army big enough. Renly's got the big army. Renly's a Baratheon. Fuck it. Why not let Renly be king? But Stannis always wanted to follow protocol. He never bent. He would never bend. So he got he eventually broke. But um, yeah. So there's a lot of factors that lead up to the to the battle. Renly, uh, Stannis killing Renly, and Ned Stark, um, doing what he did and being killed. Uh, I'll also say that had had Bronn not um. Uh, Assisted Catelyn Stark in arresting Tyrion Lannister and, and helped her bring him to the Vale. Tyrion doesn't have a champion to uh, to get free of the Vale, and neither Tyrion dies by Lysa Arryn's command or 
Um, he's in the, he's in a sky cell when all this happens, and Tyrion never makes it to King's Landing. Uh, so that's another that's another thought to think about. Um, but I agree that Tyrion, uh, as far as the actual battle itself goes, Tyrion if Tyrion doesn't come to King's Landing, he um, then King's Landing is overtaken immediately. Uh, Isis, um, w- when you got a character that's so well beloved like Tyrion. Um, he kind of overshadows other characters in the show. Now, do you think that had Tyrion not come to King's Landing, do you think that Cersei could have somehow defended defended it without him? No, I I really, I mean, I don't think she was, well, I don't know. There are a lot of times where, you know, basically Tyrion was kind of putting his sister in her place. Like, you know, let, let the let the grown people talk here, okay? Uh, mm-hmm. Especially when they were having those, uh, you know, meetings and he, you know, he was the hand of the king. And so <clears throat> there was a lot of times where she was trying to get into those conversations. And, uh, if, and tell me if I'm remembering this correctly. I don't know. I've had wine and slept since I watched this episode. Um, so... But I, I think that, you know, I don't I just don't I don't think so. And and I can only go from what I've seen. Uh, maybe if she was involved in more of the strategy of uh, and I said strategy uh, <laughs> and, uh, I, you know, in the 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 conversations, but I just don't think it would have been a success. I mean, Tyrion was the linchpin that was holding this all together. He really outdid himself in this. And I just don't think that at that time, um, Cersei could have come up with a plan um, the way what he was, did. What was Cersei doing? She she was, just, was, Cersei was, she was, Cersei was yeah, having she the was, guys make wildfire. But what yeah, was she? And then she was, and then she was in the hold fast um, with the women and children. And then she was going to like kill herself and her kids. Yeah, and she actually she actually had the poison ready for Tommen, but um, yeah, what um, I can't remember uh, who who can help me on this. What was Cersei making the wildfire for? What was she going to use it for? If I remember, she was like she was making wildfire to like spread across the battlefield. Like she was just going to blow I, everything up. I thought she was going to use it to kill. Like if Stannis won, she was going to blow up King's Landing or something like. I think that she made a passing comment about like blowing up, you know, the keep or something like that. But yeah. I, I, from if I remember, and I'm looking at the, I'm trying to find it here, and I have the Game of Thrones like Game of Thrones wiki stuff that I pulled up and made a spread like a sheet out of. Nice, <laughs> nice. So I could have because I couldn't remember everything. It, it said something about like she was going to use it all over, like she was okay. just gonna. I, I don't think she really cared who got hit as long as some of Stannis' men got hit. And it was Tyrion's idea to do a centralized attack with the... On uh, the water. Wildfire. Yeah. Yeah, with the ship. Yeah. And it was Tyrion, let us not forget, who had the chain built. Without the chain holding all the ships in, right, Corey Smith? Without the chains, you don't have the well, ships that, being trapped. That's book only, though. Yeah, I don't remember that. He, yeah, didn't, he didn't use the chain on the show? No, yeah. the chain was God not damn. on the show. I no, guess. the chain was the the chain was being built north of the wall by the uh, night king <laughs> to pull dragons out of the water. Yeah, yeah. yes, nice. and the and the and the swimming whites. <laughs> they don't swim. What are you talking about? <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, it, yeah, the chain was not on the show. And that was kind of a disappointment. God damn. Was, yeah, the chain wasn't on the show. That yeah, was a huge. It was pretty spectacular. It was, in fact, right. in fact. I can't. I can't believe I misremembered this. But like, Tyrion 
built this chain. Without this chain, he doesn't win the battle because the ships could just turn around and leave Blackwater Bay. They could just leave and have no. They could escape everything, and so like. And, so you're and, saying that the chain kept them together while they were running through the shadows? <laughs> no. So. The, oh God. <sighs> so, so the cha- the chain closes off the river, and then all the ships smash. Not only does they all smash up and on and catch fire, but they, there ends up being this like bri- this impromptu bridge of ruined yeah, ships. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That Tyrion, that Tyrion fights across. Because Stannis, um, Stannis, like starts, as the ships are kind of falling. Stannis is actually on the other side of the Blackwater Bay when this happens. He uses his ships to come in to like to harry the city, and he's on the other side waiting for his ships to come in, right? And once right. they're there in the in the bay, he's waiting for them to, to come across and ferry his men across. When that, whenever Tyrion's chain blocks all the ships and the wildfire starts happening. Um, it, the, Tyrion knows he, he takes a calculated risk. He knows that whatever Lannister ships are there in the, in the bay, they're going to be destroyed too. He knows that. But what happens in the books is once the chain comes up, they're all fucked, and this bridge happens. All these ships are smashed. Tyrion's crew starts blocking people from coming across the bridge because Stannis is bringing his guys across the bridge, and that's where Tyrion gets uh, hacked in the face by. Uh, What's his name? I forget which which neither neither king. Uh, Jason. <laughs> Not Nathan. No. No, his name was Craig. Craig. <laughs> I had told Craig and them. It was it was Craig and from the Kona. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think I think I remember. I think I had it in my. Uh, Sir Mandon is that who it was? Termandon Moore. Moore. Yeah. And he, he's the one that hit Tyrion, right? Yes. yes. Okay, I had it in my notes. Nice, Thank nice. You. Look well you done, go. sir. Well done, sir. Well, yeah, that, and that's how, yeah. And in the books, uh, Pod shoves him into the river. Yeah, he yeah. Has Pod, a, it, Pod shoves a spear through Homeboy's it's face. So it's the, better on the show. It's better on yeah. the show. Pod, yeah, Pod it's a little, Yeah, but yeah, I mean, definitely Tyrion turned because Cersei's plan was wildfire, and then she was recruiting a bunch of people to the gold cloaks. So uh, right. like, she didn't really have. She didn't have a plan. She was doing the best she could, and she she didn't have a plan. She wasn't trying. Like Tyrion, we see he he goes about. He's not just like trying to secure King's Landing. He's trying to secure the Seven Kingdoms. You know, he sends Marcella to Dorne to kind of pacify the Dornish so that they don't jump in. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he sends Littlefinger to treat with the Tyrells as soon as they find out that uh, Renly's been killed. He sends Littlefinger down there to like sway them to their side so i mean Tyrion holds the whole thing together and not just within king's landing he's the one i mean he does a magnificent job while he's the hand of the king of, of it was not too long saving. after this episode that Varys had that awesome scene with Tyrion where he tells him like you're really good at this oh <laughs> yeah right <laughs> yeah and that's right and we see that later like in season five like when he when Varys takes Tyrion to to Danny, or he tries to at least um, until Jorah kidnaps him. But he he really believes Tyrion's good at it, and he's not he's not he's not cruel. He's he's good at the job, and he doesn't have any of the cruelness that Cersei has. And he actually right? has the good the people so, in mind. Yeah, I mean, he this is good for people. This is right. Season two is Tyrion's big. That that's 
that's what sets up his whole reputation for the show. Mm-hmm. I mean, the rest of the show, he's, you know what I mean? Season three, he's trying to gain back. He's master of coin, and he's basically, you know, he's not doing anything near as impressive. And then, obviously, season four, he's on trial and all that stuff, and then he's running for his life. But season two is where he really establishes his reputation as a good ruler, a, a good and just ruler. You yeah. Know? Well, and he's so, also trying to save away, you know, this, you know, cataclysmic thing that could happen with um, the Sand Snakes. Uh, well, I guess it was just Eliana Sand and uh, and Homeboy as well. I mean, he was really trying to keep everything together so that way there was not this huge. Yeah, well, you have to remember, to Tywin Lannister was in the field. And he was fighting. He was leading his army, and he was not like he was at Heron Hall for a while. Then he leaves and to uh, to to move across the north to to the Riverlands. Like he's, he's, there's a lot of fighting. Tywin's moving his army back and forth, and there's not a lot of communication between Tyrion and Tywin and Cersei and Tyrion. In fact, there's a there's a point, and this happens on the show as well. Cersei asks Tyrion, she's like, "What are we going to do about this?" And Tyrion doesn't have an immediate answer. She's like, "I'm just going to ask Father." Blah, blah, blah. You know, and then he Tywin never answers Cersei. And so she's like, well, our father's abandoned us too. Jamie's abandoned us. Tywin's abandoned us. It's just me and you. So it's like, this is Tyrion's coming out party, basically. Like, he rules and he does it with an even hand. And he does it uh, so well that when when he goes down in battle and he's out getting, you know, getting patched up and that there's a, you know, Tywin comes in to take the hand of the king's butt. He does his job so well that Tywin doesn't even want to give him credit for it. Because if Tywin gives Tyrion credit for what he did at Battle of the Blackwater, then he's got to acknowledge that his dwar- his dwarf son is actually good at something. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, even when Tywin gets there, he he never wanted to, and and that really, I mean, that really hurt um, Tyrion because you know it's like one of those things that you're always looking for that person who never gives you the kudos that you're always looking for them. It's, it's almost like a, like a, you know, person that, what is it, you know, like someone kidnaps you or something like that. And, 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 but then you end up wanting to make them happy and, and things <laughs> like that. Uh, I, I don't know what I'm saying. I, anyway, saying. I just, I, get I, I feel like I feel that's what I always feel like the relationship between Tywin and, um, and his son have always been, it's always been, you know, his son always looking for... Tyrion just wanted you know, a hug. I, no, I don't even think it was that. I think at one He point, wanted a little bit he, of love. He just, <laughs> no, he just wanted to say, he just wanted someone, his dad, to validate him, who he, who, think, who he feels is, you know, a great mastermind as far as, you know, str- strategic mind and all of these things. He, he just wanted that. I mean, if you can't love me, at least recognize the fact that I got something from you, right? You know, and and his dad was never going to do that. Well, um, going into the actual battle itself, Corey Phone, uh, let me ask you this: um, how how does uh, the battle itself, when it starts to unfold, we already talked about Tyrion, and we can keep saying that Tyrion's the MVP, and really he is. But what other players in this battle do you think uh, made a major difference, or? Could could have been the MVP besides Tyrion uh, for the winning side. 
for any side, really. I mean, what's, what, who stood out? It's hard to say anybody from Stannis' side stood out, to be honest with you. Yeah, I mean, there wasn't – Stannis himself, you know, you have to be impressed with in the show with his, like, just leading. He's the front of, front of the pack. He's jumping on ladders, climbing up. He's, he's winning his individual fights, you know, doing a, a heck of a job. You know, obviously Joffrey won the battle, so he is a war hero. Yes. And <laughs> no, I mean Tyrion gets a lot of the credit. I think um I think really the reason that the bat obviously Tywin coming in saving the day at the end was a huge catalyst and Loris, right? Wasn't Loris there too? Yeah, Loris mm-hmm. wore, wore uh Renly's armor. Renly's armor, yeah. But I do think that Tyrion along with Braun and and his, you know, little a gaggle of of helpers like like Varys and stuff. They set up the the wildfire boat. They planned the initial attack. They organized everything to to give them the best chance. Because according to and this is something else from my notes here, uh, Stannis had like two hundred ships, uh, including thirty of the sail cell vessels. Um, he outnumbered the royal fleet ten to one. Mm-hmm. And then in terms of troops. Uh, most of the troops from Renly didn't join Stannis, but, uh, he still outnumbered them five to one. Wow. And, and so they're saying that, you know, then Tywin rides in with like 30,000 troops or something. Well, um, with the Tyrells too. With the Tyrells. Yeah. But, right. uh, regardless, the majority of Renly's troops if, were if Tyrells. that hadn't happened, you know, if the Tyrells hadn't joined forces with the Lannisters, then who knows what would have happened. So I guess really my vote goes to the, the, the crew that was able to take such a huge dent out of the, you know, the number disadvantage they had with that wildfire boat, which all the planning that went into it was probably the MVP. You guys, uh, yeah, I agree. Besides Tyrion himself, besides Tywin coming in and saving, you're right. It's a, it's it was kind of a group effort, and that was it was it's like you have Bronn starting the whole thing off of shooting the arrow into the ship, right? And it starts the whole mm-hmm. wildfire thing, and that blows up the ships, and Davos loses his son, and all that got, all that stuff. And then uh, that's when everything goes crazy. Stannis still makes his way to land. The Hound is there for a little bit. He's fighting. The, ha- the Hound and his group killed a fuck ton of people until the fire started. And then he was too tired and said, fuck the fire, fuck the king, and left. And then, um, you know, you've got, you've got the, all the different soldiers that Tyrion put in place. I think were, it was like in, you had the different King's Guard. He set up, he was smart. And he wanted this, this was, this is another thing. Tyrion wanted Joffrey to be placed in strategic spots to, bolster the men if they see their king they'll they'll want to fight for the king right and and this is almost an identical like book for book for show the the show did it almost identical because uh cersei uh isis you mentioned this cersei's in the in the in the uh keep with, with the women and um she's making fun of sansa but when um lancel comes in this is one of lancel's final moments before uh, the next before like two seasons later when he comes back as a religious zealot but uh lancel comes in and he's wounded from battle and she she punches him in his wound and tells him to go get her son and bring him back and lancel's like uh you sh- don't th- don't you think the king needs to stay out there so there there were a lot of moments that cersei was so incompetent and so inept in in being a r- ruler where Tyrion was like hey 
let's put the king out in front, not in front, but where, where people can see him so they know who they're fighting for. So there was a lot of people that could have been uh, – and it's an ensemble for this side of the war that could have been MVPs. But it was a great – like everything came together for Tyrion. Um, but here's my question. We all know like – okay, so the Battle of the Blackwater was like our first big battle on Game of Thrones, right? Like before that, we had like what, the Battle of Ox Cross Thone? I'm not in Thone Smith. And it didn't happen, yeah, but it, it was wasn't like, a, it wasn't a nothing battle happened on, TV. on screen. Nothing happened there, on screen. This is our first, yeah. This is our first on-screen battle. Right, right, right. And because you get the battle of the Green Fork, where Tyrion gets knocked out right beforehand. Right, right. And right. then yeah, Ox Cross, where we see two guards get eaten by the direwolf. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. Like this is our first on-screen battle that was actually, you know, or even like when Jamie gets captured at the Whispering Wood, mm-hmm. that's off-screen. And, Everything's off screen up until this point. So, uh, be, having this, being the fact this is what our first real battle on screen, uh, phone. I'm going to ask you this question: What do you think uh, the battles, the the outcome, had a, had an effect on what's going on now? Like, how the how did Battle of the Blackwater affect the events that are hap- that happen now? Well, I mean, the big one that comes out of this is, well, I guess the two big ones, let's say. Um, and I'll just talk about one so someone else can talk about the other one. Is the the Stannis was pretty much rendered not completely useless, but he lost pretty much over over half of his troops, a lot of his money, support, all that. I mean, it was it was he was bare bones after that. Uh-huh. And, and he was, you know, scrambling. And the second thing is the the relationship. I thought you were gonna only do one, dude. What the fuck? I said I said I was gonna say two and only talk about one. <laughs> and then the the Lannisters and Tyrells. So uh, yes. I'll I'll stick with I will stick with Stannis and say, you know, his loss there uh-huh. was uh, if you if I remember correctly, post this battle is when we started getting him doubting. Uh-huh. Somewhat doubting Melisandre, doubting the Red God, which you know, as we know, is actually super powerful. Uh-huh. I don't know, uh, but there's, I mean, he killed his brother <laughs> with some sort of ghost baby. Ghost baby. <laughs> but there's, uh, you know, that was that that led to a bit of a rift. There was that they had to move um, their their troops around to get out of danger because you know once the the Tyrells were on board they they had to bail and they just pretty much had to give up the fight uh, at King's Landing which then in turn now with unified forces completely you know on paper changed the you know rest of the war with the Starks which right. we know what ultimately happened but just even regardless the the Tyrells and Lannisters, you know, that that forced a hand in that regard. But I guess the, the other big thing with Stannis is uh he eventually doubled down on being the the chosen king, damn it. And, you know, the the Red Priest just tells me and I will do whatever it takes to get there and, you know, he pretty much set a a, a pretty unique course. Was this uh, now Am I? I'm getting stuff. Everything all happened so long ago. Was Blackwater? Blackwater was before Stannis saved John and yes. the Night yes. Watch, right? Yeah. Okay. So, so season four. You're right. Yeah, like, right. You're, you're so right on point. To, yeah. He has to go north, right, to get away from King's Landing to regroup to rally. He's thinking, oh, I can maybe 
team up with the Starks, or I don't know, but I don't know what he. I can't remember. He but, wants to, he, he wants to win the North to his side so that he exactly. can bring those so forces back. The Night's Watch from the giant army, mm-hmm. and you know, it really set into motion um, a lot of the stuff with the the Night's Watch and the Wildlings and John and. Because that that really, I mean, so so you know, Stannis losing that, you know, kind of got us to where John had, you know, more going his way. Which I guess, if you really wanted to give some credit to the Red God, could have been the plan the whole time. Rolor, praise Rolor. But, you know, you're absolutely uh, 100% on point. I love that you brought the fact that Stannis had to go he – had, he had to come back and regroup. Um, he, he ended up having to go to the north, which was Davos' idea. When he made Davos' hand, Davos learned to read. He found that, that, that raven note from the wall asking for help. The wildlings were attacked and that there were other dead things attacking. Um, so Stannis decided to – Hire cell swords, first of all. This is the number one thing he did first. He hired cell swords, who eventually turned, turned on him and left. Um, and so he lost half of his army. The majority of his army was cell swords, and they left, it, uh, because he wasn't able to pay them. Um, there was too much shit going down. You know, this, this all happened in season five, so he lost those guys. So they weren't his. He didn't have his own army. Number two, this is something that we, that is so like on point. Like, had Stannis not saved the Wall from the Wildlings, eventually that giant army would have found a way to break to break in. Like they would have they would have worked their way in. Um, they would have found a way. They would have finally pulled that giant out of the tunnel and came, came through. Um, and the Jon Snow may have pro- more than likely would have been killed by Manstrader and the Wildlings in his defense of the Wall. Remember, there was like a hundred guys there, if if that, uh, to defend against a hundred or I don't know if it was a hundred thousand. It was ten, tens of thousands of Wildlings there, giants on mammoths with uh, all kinds of different kinds of crazy Wildlings there. And so had had John had had Stannis not saved John, John might have died there. And we would have seen – we wouldn't have John resurrected, and Isis wouldn't have had her cinnamon bun for uh, the rest of the show, so she, she would have been sad. Isis. I would have been sad. That is true. My beautiful cinnamon bun. Too good, too pure for this world. But um, it, so I, I like I like Phone's point about Stannis leaving and having to regroup, and that that was one of the major – things that helped shape the rest of the show. Isis, what do you think uh, was a good, or it was a major event that helped shape things? Well, I mean, I would have said that the Tyrells joining, <laughs> but someone else already said it. I didn't dive into it, though. I just no, mentioned no, it. No, you already done said it. It doesn't matter now. You done stole it. <laughs> you thief. <laughs> All right. No, seriously, I think that was definitely a game changer. I mean, Stannis, you know, the fact that they were able to see, you know, the face of Stannis, of the one who killed Renly, um, and then that it be, you know, in front of the Tyrells. I mean, you know, talk about these are your in-laws. Your brother-in-law just killed his own brother, I mean, and and put their whole lives in jeopardy. And I think that's that's what I loved about the Tyrells, that they really understood um, that 
what this death of Renly's meant. And um, they really had to back another horse because the, the horse that they were backing now has just been, it was just killed by his own brother. So they, they were not safe. They You're had right. to go somewhere else. You're absolutely right because Mace, so. Tyrell, Mace, Ty- Mace Tyrell realized that he had fucked up when Renly died. I mean, had Renly stayed alive, he wouldn't have been a fuck up. But had once Renly was dead, Mace Tyrell knew he fucked up and he had to back another horse. Great, great way of putting that. He had to find somebody else. To get in bed with, and that so, was not a Baratheon. <laughs> so it was not a Baratheon. So he put his he put his daughter in bed with the other side. So there you go. Yeah, uh, no, I just I feel like that that was the best course of action, and I, I mean I, I have to say that I don't believe that it was all of uh, Mace Tyrell's idea. I mean I would have to believe that Olena had her own part in that. If, of oh, her I'm saying, absolutely sure that she, you know, yeah. we, we may have not known her, of her then, but I think that she had her hand in a lot of these things. So, you know, not that Mace is a total idiot, but I do feel like that it was probably Olena who's, he had a good know, singing voice. Mace had a good singing voice, but he, yeah, was, he, well, was, a, he, he was a bumbling idiot. Yeah, there, there is that. But I think Olena was really kind of saying, all right, so, you know, we backed a lame horse now who's just got killed, and, um, you know, she had no problems with having Loras and, and her granddaughter, you know, between the two of them managing um, Renly. But, you know, <laughs> now they had to really think long term and how they were going to be able to do that. So uh, the only thing I think Elena really didn't account for was how fucking crazy Cersei Lannister was. Nobody ever does, to be honest with you. Uh, Smith, uh <laughs> Uh, so what do you think? What's what's the big catalyst? Or not the catalyst. What's the big thing that shaped the events we are, are at now that came from the Battle of the Blackwater? Is there something that, like, Bone put forth uh, Stannis and then the Tyrells of the Lannisters? What what else? Is there is there anything else that came out of this battle? Um, I mean, to me, I think those are probably the two big ones. I mean, the Lannister and the Tyrell thing, I mean, that took the next, what, four seasons? Yeah. Uh, of our time, you know, I mean, that was, you know, Cersei and Tywin, you know, initially it's Tywin jostling with the Tyrells, and then later on it's Cersei, until finally she just says fuck it and blows them all up. Um, you know, so that was kind of a big I thing. I think the too. interesting, I mean, I, I think you're right, those are the two big things. I think the interesting thing, Smith, because you're one who likes to pontificate on things with Game of Thrones, um, <laughs> what if Littlefinger was unable to secure a deal with or an alliance with the Tyrells? What if they just yeah, said, see, you know, fuck it, we're going home, or we're going to side with the Starks, or we're going to side with Stannis, you know? Yeah, see, that's interesting. To me, it, it, it's almost like the Tyrells would have sided with themselves because they make mention the Reach is the most populous region in all the Seven Kingdoms, right? Mm-hmm. As the most people, therefore they they field the biggest army. And, and like we've touched on, the Tyrells made up the bulk of Renly's army, right? Renly had people from the Stormlands, but the bulk of his forces were the Tyrells yep. and all their, all their bannermen. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, to me, I always figured if they, you know, they either would have sat it out or they would have just said, fuck it, we're just going to do it ourselves and they could have they could have still easily taken down the Lannisters by themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, because maybe, remember the rock the, the rock is dry. There's no more gold coming out of Castle Rock at this point. 
Right, but even, I mean, you're right. And the Tyrells are the second richest family after the Lannisters. Um, I mean, the Lannisters are basically running their whole operation on credit at that point. Yeah, the, but, reach, the reach is feeding the, the, the reach is feeding the Seven Kings, basically. Right, right. It's the, it's like the heartland of America. It's like where everybody lives. It's got the best <laughs> farms. got all that shit. Yeah, I like that. And, and so, yeah, they could have easily taken down the Lannisters had they chosen to. Like, they could have sat back, let Stannis do his thing with, with everybody from the Stormlands, and then just swooped in at the last minute and taken out whoever was left alive. Um, and then just had the Tyrells rule, um, which is basically how they came to power uh, in the, in reach the first place to mm-hmm. begin with, right? Because yep. they they were not a noble, they were not the the ruling family. They of were the, the stewards. They were the stewards, and then they, when House Gardner, they wiped out, then they took control. So, I mean, that I mean the, would thing, been- the thing that the, looking at it on paper for me, because you kind of you haven't really mentioned this part, you said that you thought they would go on their own. I don't understand. I mean, I think it goes into the the Starks' inability to play the game or the shit. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But there, there seems to be much more sense to be made at least in terms of Lannister versus Stark, of siding with the Starks. Uh-huh. And, and and you know, we're being like, okay, so if if Tywin, because like, is, it, is it the Mountain is kind of leading the Lannister troops? Yeah, he's kind of leading a, van, a vanguard. Yeah, he's, he's leading, he's leading so his, killing people. The Tyrells and the Starks could have basically flanked that army. Yep. And, and crushed it. And then marched south together... And maybe even picked up the the remnants of Stannis's army or something. I don't know, and taken King's Landing. Right. Mm-hmm. Of, course, of, course, then, and, and, of course, then you get into like the thing with the phrase and stuff. Blah blah. But well, uh, well, right. But the, see, the the reason none of that happened was again because Rob Stark was so much like his father Ned, and everybody had named him King in the North. Well, kings don't bow to anybody, right? And he would and not so sign with Renly. He would not sign with Renly. Now, post Renly, maybe things could have changed. That's what I'm saying. Post right. Renly, I don't and, see why and, the Tyrells didn't think of that. Well, here's the thing, though. Here's the thing. Rob sent the wrong person to treat with Renly's people. He sent his mother. His mother was too oh, rigid. Catelyn was too rigid. She didn't give a fuck. And had had Rob had somebody like a little had a little finger in his camp to send, like maybe a maybe. I mean, Roos Bolton turned on him, but Roos maybe, maybe, maybe it have been his best bet to send. I don't know if Roos was with him See, at that point. But and I, and I always, no, Roos was, but to me, Roos was just when he turns on him at the red wedding. It's just more of a he's just being more of an opportunist. Yeah, Roos saw. Well, see, Roos and Tywin, there was a whole, there was that whole thing back and forth uh, where the phrase was sending ravens undercover, like undercover talk to uh Roos at Harrenhal who was sending it on to Tywin. That whole thing. Right. And I, I think Roos but I don't think Roos turned on Rob until he saw, look, this war is unwinnable. We're not you know, the Tyrells, the Lannisters have consolidated. We're not gonna win yeah. against their yeah. numbers. I think that's when Roos turned. So I and think he, he positioned the, himself to be right the to person survive. standing at the end of it. Right, exactly. So I feel like before that, Roos would have been a perfect person to send because he could have totally negotiated. Especially if you think about post-Renly, okay, well now Marjorie is a widow and Marjorie and Rob. I know Rob was already had, you know, 
heart emoji eyes over Talisa. Um, <laughs> but, you know, that would have made more political sense. Um, and, but again, Rob was too much like his father. So it, it's a hard it's a hard one to tackle as far as what could have happened. It would have been interesting because, yeah, with the Tyrell numbers, especially because if you consider the Tyrells are south of the Lannisters and then the Starks and the Tullys would have been north, they could have easily just, you know, met up and Close wiped the trap. out. Right, wiped out the Lannisters in the middle um, and then went on to King's Landing and finished off the job. Um, but, yeah, so it, it's interesting. I just I think a lot of it lies at the fact, you know, they make a point of how Rob won every battle, but he lost the war. Because he lost it because he didn't know how to play the game of, of Thrones. Of Thrones? Of Thrones. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Yeah, there you go. Well, you know he what? He didn't know how to play that. But you know, I think the centerpiece in all of this, I think everybody can agree, is Tyrion Lannister. In, the, in, in all of this, if Tyrion's not there, if somehow Tyrion doesn't make it to King's Landing, he's killed by Lysa, or he's killed by the Mountain Clans, or he's whatever, he's killed at the Battle of the, the Green Fork, whatever happens, Tyrion uh, being at King's Landing is what won, the, won that battle for uh King's Landing and is what you know solidified you know solid, solid I can't even talk right solidified. now solidified solidified thank you thank you uh solidified that's how I'm going to say from now on solidated yes consolidated is what I was also trying to say at the same time yeah so it's what solidified the alliance between the Tyrells and the Lannisters Tyrion Sin and Littlefinger so everything that happened it all came from uh, Tyrion Lannister, who is now the hand of the, of the queen. So, like you see him being such a badass at Battle of uh, Battle of Blackwater, and he's been kind of inept for Danny being in King's Landing. Like he, you know, he's she's already been she's already lost her her navy, and uh, sh- she lost a couple of battles. And you know, she had to get she had to get involved with her dragons to win things. So, hopefully, he gets a little smarter for the uh, war against uh, the dead. Anyway. We're going to wrap this up where we're at. Um, I've enjoyed talking about the Battle of Blackwater. I'm sure we'll get some more exciting battles in the future for our next podcast. So here, what I want you to do is let us know in the comments, uh, is there a big battle you want us to talk about, a Battle of the Bastards, the uh, Slaughter at Hardhome, uh, even Stannis uh, getting his ass kicked by Ramsay Bolton and then dying by Brienne. Let us know, or is there a, a certain event you want us to talk about, the Red Wedding? We can talk about that all day long. Uh, just... Let us know in the comments, and we'll be sure to take that into consideration. I, ha- I have something that I think would be awesome, and people can tell us in the comments if they want us to talk about it. Yeah. I thought about, um, you know, just talking about, you know, different characters, what we thought their strengths and weaknesses are. Ooh, a strengths and weaknesses character show. That's also a good idea. For the ones, for the ones still alive or overall? Yeah, just the, okay. no, just then the ones yeah, that are yeah, still alive. Yeah, that would be interesting. That like, could be what, interesting. What do you bring to the table? Yeah. So let us know in the comments, and we'll take that strongly into consideration whenever we come up with our next uh, podcast a topic. Um, so for myself, for Corey Smith, Corey Thone, and for the lovely Lady Isis, this has been Tate the Black, Larmogurus.
This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T R Y L I F E M D.com.